This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for Sunday, August 14, 2016. The Gospel is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 49 through 56. The message is by Father Ron Baird. I have to say, I could have found a better gospel lesson to come back from vacation on than that one. Um, <coughs> that was cheerful news, wasn't it? So what is this that Jesus means? That he, he, do you think that I come to bring peace? No, I tell you, but rather division. We don't think of Jesus that way very often, do we? That Jesus came to bring division? Um, so what is he talking about here? Well, part of the problem is, is that all too often, too many people seem to look at Jesus as being almost like Santa Claus. You know, you, you send his, your list of what you want to him, and he fills it and makes everybody happy, and you get candy and gumdrops and everything swell. And we forget that he's actually the Lord God, King of the universe. And we forget what a radical figure he really was and remains to be in history today. Um, we tend to have sort of domesticated Jesus, if you will, sort of fit him into our own ideal of what it should be, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. But they don't really crucify people who are meek and mild. You don't need to crucify people who are meek and mild. You crucify people who are dangerous. And so the mere fact that he was crucified tells us something about this character, that he was actually a very radical person who was threatening to turn the whole world um, right side up, if you will, as opposed to upside down. But the, to the world, it looked like it was going to be upside down. And he scared people, and he still scares people. You know, and we, and we forget that this Jesus that we have come to know is not just somebody who comes to make us feel good, but somebody who comes to make us whole and perfect. And perfection is something that human beings always rebel against because that perfection has to be defined by something and that something is what God's plan for us is. Because to be perfect, we have to be perfect in accordance with what the Creator made us to be. And so... In, in order to do that, we have to submit ourselves, subject ourselves to his will. And Americans in particular don't like subjecting ourselves to anybody, uh, much less a king. And, and so we struggle. We, we still struggle. Throughout history, the world has struggled with this idea of Jesus. And I suspect that if you've been a follower of Jesus for very long, you've discovered um, that there are times when, there certainly, when, when division certainly arises, when there will be people who you were friends with that because of the faith that you've chosen and the path that you've chosen to follow in following this radical uh, Jesus has caused you to lo you know, lose those people as friends. They drop away. They don't understand how you can be so strange. You know, they don't want to talk about your faith. You know, why would that be important to you? And they don't understand. You know, this Jesus that we would like to domesticate even to the point of making him a wonderful teacher who had a lot of really good ideas that we should all listen to, then we'd all get along better. Didn't really give us that option, did he? Because he didn't claim to be a good guy. And the truth is, they don't crucify good guys. He claimed to be the son of God. He claimed to be the one who was calling the world back to be what it was supposed to be. And for those people who choose really to listen to him and follow him, it's going to mean some radical departures from the way of life that we have always had. You know, we will no longer be able to see the world the way the world sees the world. Instead, we'll have to see the world through God's eyes. 
And that's a very different perspective. You know, success in the world's eyes are easy to tell. All you gotta do is watch television. You can see by the advertisement what makes you successful. But to be a success in God's eyes, then you see people like Mother Teresa and St. Francis of Assisi. You know, people who seem radical to us. The the call seems so foreign to anything that we would want or be able to do that there's something in us that just naturally wants to say, that's not a path I want to go down. Now, I can understand that because, you know, I found that that's true throughout life. I, I can tell you that when I first felt called to be a minister, I didn't even know I was a priest then, I didn't tell people because the people I knew would have thought I was nuts. I mean, nobody did that. That's weird. You know, only goody two-shoes people did that. You know, I wasn't a goody two-shoes. What makes you think you could do that? Matter of fact, I even told the very first minister I ever told about it that I wasn't really the type of person that Jesus would pick. Rather presumptive of me, wasn't it, to know what type of person Jesus should pick, but, but I knew better than he did. Little did I know that he, he had different plans in mind. And yet, the, the truth is, part of the reason the resistance was there about it was because I knew that all the people that I had and you know, that were my friends and my acquaintances, the people I did things with, they wouldn't understand and, and they wouldn't stay around. And to this day, you know, even if I run into one of them somewhere, it's kind of awkward. They really just don't quite know what to do with me because I'm not who I was. You know, I've sold out to someone different. And my world isn't their world anymore. Even my own mother at my ordination to the diaconate sat in the reception area and cried to everybody who would listen that God had stolen her baby. I mean, you know, it, it was this sort of radical you know, reorganizing of who Ron Baird really is and what it is that he's about. And even that didn't stop me from trying to put God in a box because, you know, know, I'm human too and and there are lots, I have lots of opinions about things. I can remember when I was in seminary and some of you heard me say it before, but I would drive between Washington, D.C. where I went to seminary and to Louisville where I lived and and on breaks and things, and, and as I would do that, I would drive through West Virginia, and at that time they had a big sign as we went in and out of West Virginia that said, um, West by God, Virginia, on it. And I always said that's because nobody else would live there. And so my very first call that God gave me to a congregation was to West by God, Virginia, of course, because his ways are not our ways. And so to follow this radical Jesus, we have to realize that it's going to bring division, both division within families within friendships, even within ourselves. Because sometimes what God wants us to do doesn't seem like what we want to do. But that's when we get to decide whether or not we really want to be a Christian or not. It's easy to be a Christian if all you got to do is receive all the bennies from him. I mean, what's, what's the problem with that? It's when God asks you to do the hard things that it really makes a difference. But the question is, is who knows better who you should be, you or God? That's the fundamental question for every Christian. Not so much about what are the rules and how do I follow them, but who am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to my own will or am I going to listen to the will of God? Because the truth is that for those of us who have joined this kingdom of God, who have become children and heirs of this kingdom, our citizenship is no longer in this world. We belong to the kingdom of God not to the kingdom of this world. And so we are really foreigners. You know, we're aliens traveling in a foreign land, you know, just wandering around, trying to tell people things. 
things that they don't understand. Now, I had some experience with this because I just got back from Germany. And I can tell you that wandering around in a country where you don't understand the language, it can be difficult. Um, because you haven't got a clue what's going on. You don't know what the signs mean. You don't know how things work. I remember getting on a bus and trying to figure out how in the heck do you pay for the being on the bus. I never did figure out how to pay to be on the bus. So I didn't pay to be on the bus. Later I found out I could have gotten arrested for not paying to be on the bus, but I didn't know. I mean, I, I didn't know how to do it. Matter of fact, I didn't even know which bus was right, so we got a nice long oh, half-hour tour of Heidelberg because we went the long way around on the bus um, trying to get around because you can't read the signs. So what do you do? But being a Christian in the world is like that. We, we live in a world where it's not polite to talk about you know, religion in certain places like schools and workplaces and things like that because that's not acceptable because somebody might be offended at what you believe. But do you think Jesus was worried about whether or not he offended people? Have you talked about his father in heaven? He never thought about that, did he? He offended a lot of people. And yet, that's what the world is trying to do now to Jesus. We live in a world that is post-Christian. You know, when I was little, I wasn't even Christian then, but I lived in a Christian world. Nowadays, a lot of people never really don't, they know some of the cultural things about Christ, but they don't know very much about him at all. And they don't care. They don't even understand why you would think it was relevant. And they tend to think of religion as something negative, not something positive. And so for those of us who are called to be ambassadors, who are spokespeople for this Jesus, that's a, a really weird world to wander around in. But if we have done that, often enough we have found ourselves experiencing those alienations, those problems, those divisions with our relationships with other people. And what's interesting about it to me is that if you haven't, then I want to challenge you because your God is entirely too tame. You know, you've got a pussycat for a God. You know, he, he didn't do anything. He just sits around and purrs all the time. You know, that's not the Lord God, King of the universe, who, who said, let there be light, and an explosion of light created the universe. 